This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy. Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy, is a ministry providing holistic care for over 14,000 vulnerable and orphaned children, spiritually, intellectually, physically, and emotionally. Whether distributing 5 million meals each year to children and young adults, or by empowering students to graduate from high school and go on to pursue trade school or a university education, Hope for Zambia believes that when you educate a child, you transform their world. Go to Hope for Zambia.com slash faith to give and change lives. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Hi, I'm Rob West. Is that a passage where you look for a little wiggle room to rationalize that it can't mean exactly what it says? After all, what's the harm in a little grumbling? I'll talk about that today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, first of all, there's no wiggle room here. In Philippians 2, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, not some things. That means when the boss piles on extra work or you get a flat tire, you're supposed to accept it without complaint. Pretty hard to do that, right? And Paul lumps disputing in with grumbling, seeing both of these sins as serious flaws that could destroy unity in the church. It's much more natural to complain about our spouses, children, and friends, our bosses, and elected leaders. We grumble because we can't find anything to wear in the closet stuffed with clothes or anything to eat in a fridge that's full of food. One of our favorite complaints is that we don't have enough money. You might think if you only had just a little more, your life would be so much better. You like to believe that, and sometimes you even say it out loud. No good ever comes from it. Instead of trying to earn more or spend less, you complain. And once you start, well, it's hard to stop. Grumbling begets more grumbling. It's important to understand what this is. It's actually rebellion against God and a form of blasphemy. Whenever you find fault with your boss, your bank account, or your spouse, you're really finding fault with God. He's the one who's given you those gifts, and your grumbling is discontent with His provision. It's also important to know that God does not view grumbling lightly. He even imposed the death penalty on Israelites who complained about being in the desert. In Numbers 21, the Lord sends a plague of serpents on the grumblers, and many died. Ultimately, a whole generation of them wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. If we looked at our carping and complaining from God's perspective, we would probably better understand the wrath He unleashed on the Israelites. He brought them out of slavery and provided for their every need in the desert. But showing an amazing lack of gratitude, they were soon complaining that life was better when they were slaves of the Egyptians. God has given us everything we need. And of course, the greatest gift is that of His Son on the cross for our salvation. Christ tore the veil that separated us from God, allowing us to commune with Him more fully. Because of Christ's sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. Our debt is canceled. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. 
How then do we live out the practical application of that relationship? Well, as Paul says in Philippians 2, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. We should be content because we know that anything we experience on earth is temporary, but that our life with Christ in heaven will be eternal. That contentment, when everyone else is grumbling, is a powerful witness for Christ. To find that contentment, we must focus on Christ and not ourselves. That's exactly what Paul did. He was shipwrecked, beaten, and ultimately martyred for proclaiming the gospel. In Philippians four twelve and 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. There are several barriers to finding the kind of contentment in Christ that Paul describes. One of the biggest is spiritual. We lack the understanding that God owns everything, including us, and that it's His decision what, when, and how He provides for us. It takes spiritual growth, discernment from the Holy Spirit to get that. Another barrier to contentment is cultural. We're constantly bombarded with messages of scarcity and materialism. Commercials tell us, you have it all. Bumper stickers proclaim, he who dies with the most toys wins. But wins what exactly? Certainly not contentment. Often the more stuff you have, the less content you are. Finally, there's also a personal barrier to contentment. We allow worldly influences to dictate whether we're satisfied with God's provision rather than Scripture, which repeatedly instructs us about the blessings of humility and contentment. So when you're tempted to grumble about your spouse, your job, your retirement account, or anything else, pray for a spirit of gratitude about what God has already given you. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the Faith and Finance Program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com. Are you searching for a way to become a better, faithful steward of the resources that God has given you? Well, download the FaithFi app and join the 37,000 others who are already using our app. The FaithFi app will provide you with wisdom, community, and simply help you stay on track with your finances. We have three money management options to choose from, so find an option that fits your unique needs. It's available on desktop or mobile. Simply go to faithfi.com and click app to get started. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Rob West. All right, it's time to take your calls and questions today on anything financial. The number to call is 800-525-7000. We'd love to hear from you with whatever you're thinking about today. The calls are coming in. We're looking forward to perhaps taking yours as well. Again, 800-525-7000. Let's begin today in Florida. Hi, Nathan. Go right ahead, sir. Rob, thank you so much. Um, first of all, I'd also like to thank you because you, about three years ago, I called in and you advised me not to go with, uh, with the teaching as a teaching language as a second language right off the bat, but to be cautious. Uh, 
Mm. And I was, and it really helped me. I, yeah. I saved, I've saved since then I've saved about $34,000 and I'm still in my same job and I'm out of debt. Um, I'm 56 and, uh, I'm wondering, uh, my job takes me away from home about 81 and a half hours a week. Yeah. Um, I'm a, tr- I'm a trucker. So it's a, it's kind of a tough, tough schedule and I'm thankful for what I have. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm college educated. I, I look at uh, chiropractic or law now, and I just, in my lifetime, I guess I admit it, I, I've never been good <laughs> at figuring out what kind of career I should have. That's kind of yeah. embarrassing, but it's true. And yeah. I'm on 56 now. Yeah, that's what I have, 34000 no debt. And, um, yeah, and I'm, I wonder, you know, how wise is it or is it foolish to go back to school and something yeah. where I can sleep during the night. <laughs> sure. And and I assume that you're also with that. If you did, you'd have to borrow in order to do it. Is that right? Well, it looks like, you know, chiropractic, that's about a quarter of a million. And, you know, law yeah. school some can be you know, 185. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, do you really have a clear conviction around... Uh, you know, your the alignment between your giftings, your passions, and, uh, you know, perhaps where you think you'd want to go to work, or is there still some sort of an unsettled part of you in terms of what that career path is? <laughs> Ironic, you should say unsettled. Uh, a friend of mine who's a Bible teacher, he said, yes, you're, you're, you're pretty unsettled, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. <laughs> that hurt, but it was it's true. I mean it's very sure. true. I want to be as truthful as possible. Yeah. And yeah. uh yeah. Uh yeah. Have you um, ever gone through a career assessment? Well, I the Larry, uh, Larry Biquette had one, I believe. And yeah. I I did that and it really it you know, it set out a couple of really good areas. Um and yet they're the kind of things that I don't know if I can really make money at, or I can yeah. really support yeah. myself at. And so I feel foolish about, <laughs> and I don't know. How long know ago my, was that, that you went through that? Oh, that was say, oh, I'd say 2007. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you've done it recently. Cause that's what I was going to suggest. I'd be happy if you wanted to go back through that career direct is that biblical assessment that would help you understand your gifts and find a career path that matches your God-given strengths and abilities. If you feel like you've already done that and gotten uh, as much out of that as you can, then no need necessarily to do it again. Although I'd be happy to make a, um, you know, a, a counselor available to you, a career counselor to give you feedback and help you interpret what you're seeing there. It wouldn't cost you anything. So if you wanted that, I, I think that's the key is making sure you really are, you know, not only going through an assessment like that, but asking those in your life who could give you kind of a 360 on, you know, who do you see me being? And, you know, what are you seeing in me? And here's some of the things I'm exploring. How do you think that would work with my temperament, skill set, passions, giftings? And then, you know, you've got to compare those career paths, which both of the the career paths you mentioned can be lucrative, but you've got to uh, match that with the amount you'd have to borrow 
and your ability at, you know, the, the salary that you can reasonably expect and the growth trends in that particular field that, you know, you could get from the labor department and others as to, you know, whether they're increasing or, or not, um, you know, what the uh, trajectory is and whether you'd be able to pay that back in a reasonable period of time, or at the very least, you know, just maintain, um, you know, your ability to, to repay that and, and not have that severely impact your budget. So I think you need to really ask the Lord to give you clarity around what it is you're pursuing and make sure that you aren't unsettled. You know, you're not going to know for sure, but maybe you start, uh, and I realize it's hard if you're on the road, but is there a way you could step into this, do some low-cost probes to, you know, spend some time with folks that are in that field, make sure you you get some on-the-job experience just to make sure you feel like it is the right fit. And then I think you need to do some real analysis on what is it actually going to take and what's the payback on that look like. And, you know, you know, with starting salaries, given that I'd have no experience other than the training and perhaps the the law degree or, you know, the, uh, the other uh, certifications, you know, what can I expect in terms of a salary over the, you know, five years following school? And what does that mean in terms of my ability to repay that debt? And if those don't match up, then maybe it is something else that God is leading you to that, you know, is, is more reasonable in terms of your ability to uh, seek the education that would be necessary and and not take on the debt. So uh, number one, I think it's a matter of prayer. Number two, I think it's talking to people around you that know you well. Three, can you get some on-the-job experience as a low-cost probe without kind of enrolling and, you know, signing off on these huge debts? And then four, do you feel like it'd be helpful to have a career counselor kind of help you unpack uh, the assessment and perhaps give you some other ideas? Give me your thoughts. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I would be, it would be very helpful to have a career counselor to help me unpack that. I didn't have that before, so okay. I just sat there spinning my wheels. Well, spinning my wheels, there are, you know, here are six options. I don't know what to, where to start. All right, let's do that, Nathan. We'll start there. You hold the line. I'll get your information. This will be our gift to you, and we're going to have uh, one of these career counselors reach out to you, and, you know, they could either use the assessment you did years ago, but it won't cost you anything, and it's just our way of, of uh, helping you out and hopefully getting to a place where you have some confidence in uh, where you're headed. By the way, folks, if you'd like to learn more about Career Direct, it is uh, a Career Direct. It's a guidance system that was really developed out of a need for a comprehensive, biblically-based assessment that would help people find their unique gifts and a career path that matches their God-given strengths and abilities. Uh, You can learn more at careerdirect.org. We highly recommend it. It's a wonderful tool. Uh, Nathan, you hold the line. We'll get your information. Listen, all the best to you, my friend, and keep us posted uh, as you progress. Quickly to Boca Raton, Cedric, I have just about a minute. How can I help? Okay. All right. So, um, we own our property. We own our cars. Our kids are, um, college is being paid for through uh, Florida prepaid. Um, our money is good. Um, in terms of that, what is kind of, um, unsettling is this new BRICS currency and how they're trying to devalue the dollar as a Christian. What should we be doing in terms of preparing for something like this? And, yeah, yeah. um, it's, it's a good question. Know, it's kind of a, 
Yeah. You know, we've spent some time on this in the past. We're going to do a lot more on it because it's concerning a lot of folks like you, Cedric. It's a great question. Bottom line is we're still very early on having a central bank digital currency. They've done research. They want to move in this direction. It's going to take Congress and the president to get it done. There's going to be a lot of debate about it. I'm not a big fan, and a lot of uh, uh, congressional leaders aren't either because of the privacy invasion. It's going to give government a reach and insight into our finances in a way that we don't want, in my opinion. Uh, but it's a long way off. So I would say right now, stay the course, dump debt, live within your means and invest for the long term. Thanks for your call today. We need to take a break. This is Faith and Finance. We'll be right back after this. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foreside Fund Services, LLC. You're listening to Faith and Finance, where we talk about how we handle God's resources. How are you using God's resources? We're talking about it, and the lines are open to take your calls and questions. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Uh, let's head to Cleveland. Hi, Sharon. Thank you for your call. Go ahead. I have a question, and I don't know if there's a legality against this or whatever. My husband and I are both 73. We're both retired. I still work part-time. Um, we have no debt. We don't. We own our home. We own all of our vehicles. The only thing we have is just insurance and daily expenses. We we have uh, our home, and then there's a separate house on our property that we have a, a child that had a head injury that we take care of, and we have several outbuildings enough for another home. But anyway, my question is: Our daughter would love to be able to take care of us as we're getting older. And I would love to be able to give her our property. And there's like three places you can live on the property. But I don't know legally, like if we were to die and everything got sold, how, how does it work that you can leave something to your kids without having to pay taxes on it? Are, are you opposed to just leaving it to her as an inheritance? And just letting her live there no. until that point? Yeah. Okay. I, I would, okay. I, yeah. We would be fine doing that. But what would okay. happen to her financially? If and when, because, I mean, probably the property value is probably close to seven, 800000 Yeah. And um, 
Well, the short answer is there's nothing that would happen to her. Um, there's no inheritance tax. There's only estate taxes, but your estate would have to, based on the current laws, would have to be above $12 million uh, before you would pay any estate tax. So essentially what would happen is when you uh, all passed away, whether this was in a trust and the trust dictated that it's to go to her or you just leave it to her in your will, um, it, it would pass to her through, if it was through the will, through probate, she would get it. Her cost basis would be stepped up to the date of death. So now her her new cost basis would be the value of this property she's inheriting as of your death, which means now there's no capital gains in it. If she were to turn around and sell it, it would only be capital gains if it continued to appreciate beyond that point and she sold it down the road. And she'd you know have that property free and clear uh, without any taxes whatsoever would would i be or would we be smart to put it in a trust with her as um that it would you know have a legal thing i just don't want her to to have an um inheritance tax or as a state tax to have to pay yeah, there is no, there wouldn't be any estate tax until your estate gets above twelve million. There is no inheritance tax. The only question on the trust versus the will is: is there a reason why you would want to pass it outside of probate, the probate court? Which is there'd be some costs there, not not big taxes like you're thinking, but there'd be just some court costs for the probate process. It's a part of the public record. It would take a little bit of time for it to be, you know, passed. To her, uh, the trust would have it pass either immediately or if you wanted to keep it in the trust and let's say, you know, have a portion of it go to her and a portion to your other child with the, you know, medical issues and have certain triggering events that allow it to be passed over time based on that trustee, you know, giving it away, which could be her uh, at the appropriate time, which is dictated by the trust documents. That would be a reason to put it in a trust. But apart from that, if you're just simply going to give her the property uh, and it's you want it to be hers at your death, the simplest and most cost-effective way to do that is through a will or through a transfer on death deed where, again, it's being transferred automatically at your death. There's no taxes, inheritance, or estate because your estate is under $12 million. And so uh, I think you would accomplish exactly what you're looking for. Oh, Thank you so much. I, we've just been, yeah. I mean, she's like, I want to take care of you and dad, you know, as you get older and we're both getting older and, you know, we have enough, like just put up another building. She could put a place in there if she wanted to. I mean, it's big enough, but it's just, yeah. I wanted to stay in the family and die in my own house. You know what I mean? <laughs> I see. Yes, ma'am. I certainly understand. Well, you sound like a wonderful mom caring for uh, your kids, and uh, it sounds like you're on a great uh, plan here. What I would do, though, Sharon, is contact a godly estate attorney just to make sure your will's up to date, that you have all these things in place so that you can pass these assets according to your wishes. You at the same time probably want to have a, if you don't already, a healthcare surrogate, a living will, and a durable power of attorney, maybe naming her as power of attorney if you all are incapacitated. It's not a bad idea just periodically to update all of that and just make sure that uh, your intentions are properly reflected in a current and valid will, and a godly estate attorney can help you navigate that. If you don't know one, 
Ireland, you could contact a certified Kingdom advisor in your area and ask for a referral. They'd be delighted to do that. But listen, all the best to you. We appreciate you calling and being on the program today. Uh, God bless you. Let's go to Indiana. Hi, Joyce. How can I help you with your question today? Um, my husband and I each bought an I-bond um, last August and September. And whenever we get on our account, which we just tried today, it never shows any interest. It's still the, the $10,000 that we put in. It never... Now, when should that show up? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a little surprised by that. So normally what happens is, and, and maybe you're just on the wrong screen. I haven't looked at it with their new site to see exactly how uh, it works. But um, your interest starts from the first day of the month you buy the bonds. Twice a year, they add all the interest the bond earned in the previous six months to the to the principal value of the bond so that gives it a new value the old value plus the interest that are earned the interest that's earned and then over the next 6 months that we you know the new interest is then applied to the entire value so it's compounding uh semiannually which is great um and so you can you should be able to go into your treasurydirect.gov account and look for the value of that bond there um you know, given that you've had it, uh, you've had it more than six months. Is that right? Yes. And have yes. you uh, have you looked at the account recently, and you're not able to see that? Right today. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. You know what? We'll look into this for you because here's the reality: that interest is being credited. It does absolutely compound semi-annually. So once it's added uh, after the first six months then you know you're accruing interest on that new higher value that's a good thing and my understanding is you can see that new value once it's credited twice a year in your treasury direct account uh if you had a paper bond you'd have to use their savings bond calculator um, but um, we'll do this. We'll check into that and just get some more details on perhaps why you're not seeing that, given that you've had that there at least six months and uh, it's not showing on your account, and, and then report back. Does that sound good? That would be great. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks, Joyce. God bless you. Thanks for calling today. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.